live by uh, that we're going to look at tonight. Three principles to live by. Live by Romans chapter number fourteen. I think I might have said eight in there. I don't know why I did that. Romans fourteen and verse number one. We'll start there. The Bible says in Romans fourteen one, him that is weak in the faith receive ye but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth giveth to the Lord, for he that giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for uh, your blessed old book, Father, that we can study, that we can learn from, that we can look into, we can, uh, we can just learn from, God. We can find encouragement, we can find principles, we can find help, we can find strength. And God, there is so much in your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would just encourage and bless and help each and every person, Father, and we'll thank you for that. And God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As, uh, as we look at this passage, uh, Paul is, of course, writing to the church at Rome. And I, it would be good for us to remember that at the church in Rome, he spent a great deal of time really de- going through two things. Why? Because the church was made up of Jews as well as Gentiles. Now, we, we, don't, we don't really get that um, because we don't have uh, Jews in our church per se. Uh, we don't have pra- Jews who had been practicing Jews uh, where this church did. And so uh, it, there, there's some principles that he gives us in dealing with uh, these two different cultures and how they would clash and how they would be so dogmatic about some things. He has, of course, covered much of it in Romans chapter 12 and even Romans chapter 13 he covered with the Christian dealing with the world. And, uh, and in chapter 14 he's going to get some specific examples of how we are to uh, deal with those things. Now look in verse number 2 there. And we'll, we'll start out with the, um, the, one of the examples he starts with in verse number 2. He says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Now he gives these two illustrations. One says you can eat all things, and one says that you can only eat herbs. In other words, a vegetarian. 
Okay, and so he's, he gives very specific examples. You've got two different groups. And, uh, and the one is saying, well, you know, you shouldn't eat meat. It's not blah, blah, blah. And they give you all their reasons. And the other group is saying, well, you should eat meat. And you're wrong because you don't eat meat. And now all of a sudden these guys are saying, oh, you're wrong because you're eating vegetables and nothing else. And so they've got this contention that is going on in the church. And, and, uh, and it is a problem for them. And so the Apostle Paul is writing and he's, he's helping them to understand uh, that, that, listen, we're not to force our views on other people uh, where God's word is not real uh, clear. Or let me say it this way, where God's word is not specific. I'll say it that way. Uh, because there are some specific things, and we'll cover that towards the end of this. There are some specific things that are not in question here. Uh, some people like to take this and apply it to things where it does not apply and it does not fit. Uh, but, but Paul is obviously dealing here with some that would eat meat uh, and some that would meet or, or eat vegetables. Uh, that's what his example there is in verse number two. And he says in verse number three, he clarifies, he says, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. So, in other words, God is, is for both of those groups. And there's no reason for them uh, to have a problem within a local church. And so he's telling them, uh, he gives the example of diets. Then he gives an example of days there in verses 5 through 8. We won't reread it because we already did. But basically he's talking about holidays. Uh, holy days, I'll say it that way. Holidays, holy days, uh, that word comes from that word. And so the idea is... Remember the Jews, uh, they were, they were a, a very strong culture within this church in Rome. And so what holidays or holy days would they celebrate? They would celebrate Pentecost. They would celebrate Passover. They would celebrate the Feast of the Tabernacles. They would celebrate new moons. Uh, it's all recorded in the Old Testament history. Well, why don't we, as New Testament Christians, celebrate uh, Pentecost? Why don't we celebrate the new moon? And the reason is because we're not bound to that. Um, and so there's not a need. Now, if you celebrate Pentecost, if you celebrate uh, the, the Feast of the New Moons, praise the Lord, you're welcome to. That's what he is saying. And the Jews who had practiced this their entire life, they were accustomed to it, felt that it would be uh, a slander against God to not do it. And so he's saying to them, fine, practice that, that follow Pentecost did it just cut out uh, if you want to follow Pentecost then then you're welcome to do that or if you want to uh, celebrate the feast of the new moons that's fine and obviously I want us to understand too I need to draw a line here that we're not talking about paganism these were holidays that were set up for the Jewish people and so, uh, so we need to be real understanding and careful of that, that we're not talking about wicked wickedness. Um, now, I lived in, in, in two different countries, uh, and, uh, and both of those, man, they had holidays. It drove me nuts. I mean, there, it was like, I'm not a, they didn't have Thanksgiving, okay? They didn't celebrate our American holidays, and they had their own holidays, 
And I'm not kidding you, one day, I can remember specifically in Italy, I got up, man, I got all ready, and, and I, I went down to, I was taking driver's ed, had to take driver's ed in Italy so that I could get my driver's license, it was a nightmare, I don't recommend doing it, but uh, I got all dressed, I went down to driver's ed, and showed up at the door, and I pulled the door, and it was locked. I'm like, what? They're always here. And I'm like looking around, and I start looking around, and that business is closed, I look across the street, that business is closed, and that business is closed, I'm like, ah. Oh. Pull out my phone, I look, oh, it's a holiday in Italy. I didn't even have no idea that everything was closed, and so, uh, so I couldn't do class. And what I'm saying is different cultures celebrate different things. And, and the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, uh, if, if it's not, obviously if it's not wickedness and gross immorality and sin, then, hey, it's okay to celebrate different holidays. And he said, give some liberty to the Jews that are celebrating Pentecost and Feast of the Tabernacles and all the feasts that they have that are listed in the Old Testament and give some leeway to the Gentiles who aren't celebrating. Don't force the Gentiles and say, hey, you have to celebrate the Feast of the Pentecost. Because you don't have to. And so there's leeway on either side of those things. And I think the, uh, I think the principle that is, is, is rounded out in these verses is in verse number 8. He says this, it's actually in verse 7 and 8, but we'll read 8. The Bible says, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. In other words, you are all going to be individuals. And David Lent, can you come up here and help me? I got on you since you're home from college. David Lent probably has a different diet than I do. You eat chocolate chip cookies? Oh, he does eat chocolate chip cookies. Okay, I just show it a little more than he does. Uh, he's a college student, so he doesn't get them yet enough. But, uh, but, but we probably have different dietary things. And it would be wrong for me to say, now, David, when you get up in the morning, uh, that listen, you're not right with God if you donate three eggs and ham and bacon with those eggs. Do you like all that? Oh, see, see, we already got him. So, uh, so man, uh, so, and I'm saying, well, you, you have to eat ham. I mean, you're not right with God if you don't eat ham. And, and then he gets upset and he's saying, well, bless God, you're not right with God because you eat ham. And, and you see that there's a division there. Now, the Bible in the New Testament doesn't mention anything about ham. And we're actually, he, he gets into that a little deeper in the chapter, specifically about the Jewish dietary laws. Uh, and that we're not of obligated to follow those. That's why, praise the Lord, sorry, but I can have a ham dinner. Amen. And I'm glad about that. I can eat bacon on my eggs. I, I mean, uh, I can have a cheeseburger. Why? Because we're not bound by the Jewish dietary restrictions that are found in the Old Testament. But the Jews, you're not Jew, but, but well, let's just say you are. Let's say he, he can't eat ham. And he says, man, that's not right by God. I've never eaten ham my entire life. You remember when Peter uh, saw that vision and, and animals were coming down that were unclean and the Lord said, eat. And Peter was shook to the core. He said, I can't eat that. And that's unclean. I've never in my life touched that food. I can't eat that. And so uh, he's saying, hey, don't get in squabbles over things that are not definitively wrong or definitively right. 
And he's saying, you know, there's room for some personal liberty within those grounds and within those areas. Thank you, David. You can sit down. We found out you don't like him. I do. I knew we'd find a difference somewhere in there. Amen. You, you ever get ham, you pass it my way, all right? We'll get, to get, we'll get along good. I used to do that in Peru. We, uh, uh, we'd, we'd go and, and they would serve me a, a portion I just physically could not eat. And because I was a missionary to honor me, they would give me a double portion, which, praise that was kind. I, I don't, I'm not against that. I, I thought it was very respectful. I was very honored that they would do that. The problem was, my stomach's a little bigger now, but I still couldn't eat it all. I mean, I just physically couldn't eat it all. So I sat next to a fella, probably like David Lint, and, uh, and, and, and he, he could just eat, and I would just kind of, when nobody was looking, scrape off some of my food onto his plate, and he was like, yeah, scrape it over, man, let me help you. And, and he helped me polish everything off so that, uh, so that we were all okay. Uh, but, but he's saying don't squabble over, over food. Um, and don't squabble over holidays. He's saying because we belong to the Lord. We're living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if Brother David Lynn is convinced that God doesn't want him to eat ham, now I don't think that's his thought. He just doesn't like it, and that's fine. But if he's convinced, well, the Lord doesn't want him to eat ham, you know what? It could be wrong for him to eat ham. But it wouldn't be wrong for me to eat ham because I'm not convinced. There's room, and we don't, you know what, sometimes we don't, this rubs us the wrong way because it's hard. It's not something easy to practice. It's called allowing somebody else grace. We're not talking about wickedness, okay? There is certainly a line that says, hey, this is wicked, and you should not do that. We'll cover a little bit of those things. But he's saying the first principle is that we are the Lord's. Look with me in verse number 1. He says this, his pretext all this was, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. In other words, if this brother believes that uh, that he should adhere to the Jewish dietary laws, and he doesn't eat pork, and he doesn't eat uh, uh, ham, and he doesn't eat bacon, and he doesn't eat a cheeseburger because you can't see the uh, 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 calf in its mother's milk, so you can't eat milk products and, and, and beef products together, and, and he doesn't do those things, and so uh, his, all his way of life is kosher, and he wants to come to church, he says, welcome him, receive him, it's not a problem. As long as he's not trying to dispute and cause you and the entire church to convert to the Jewish dietary law restrictions. He said if he's content living that way, let him live that way. And if you're content uh, eating pork and eating uh, all those things that would go against the dietary restrictions and you're not convicted before God, then you know what? Go on and live your life. And it's fine, as long as you're not pressuring him and he's not pressuring you, then you both belong to God. And we're living unto the Lord. And so his whole principle that he boils it down to shows up in verse number 8. He says, uh, live unto the Lord, because you are the Lord's. We belong to the Lord. Look with me in verse number 9. We see a second principle in verses 9 through 12. We'll read these because they're... Uh, a brief section, but it says here in verse number 9, 
For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. The first principle that we find is that we are the Lord's. The second principle, and that's in verse number 8, we belong to the Lord. The second principle that we find is found there in verse number 12, and that is we will stand before the Lord. Verse number 9, he gives us the principle that God is the authority over all. And that's important for us to understand. Uh, we need to understand that. Now, Let's, let's look at just the context, the idea of, of what's going on in this day and age, just so we kind of understand. you got to understand that Judaism had just recently, within the past 30 years of this time, uh, maybe it was 60 years, I can't remember when the Book of Romans was written, but, but it rather recently uh, had, had come to an end. Now, these guys had lived this way their whole life. We're talking about their grandma, their great-grandma, their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandma, all the way back to, uh, to Father Abraham, had lived following that Old Testament law. And it was established by God. We're not talking about a pagan culture. We're talking about a godly culture. We're talking about God establishing these things, God writing them down in their rules uh, or in, in his book. And as they would read it and they would understand it, this was the law of God that you are not to eat these things and that you better celebrate these days. And if you don't, you are not right with God. That was established by God. That's the Old Testament. When Jesus came and Jesus died on the cross, that's what he's saying there in verse number 9. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Those that had died in the past and who were looking forward to the cross of Christ and who said, hey, I'm going to celebrate the feast of the Passover. I'm going to celebrate the feast of Pentecost. I'm going to celebrate the, uh, all the other feasts, the new moons and, and all the other things that they had to do they were looking forward to the cross of Christ but then Jesus Christ came he died on the cross rose again and now we're looking back and those laws uh, those dietary and religious laws are not governing us today and the Gentile people salvation is opened up to us and we thank the Lord for that. He spent a great deal of time explaining that in the book of Romans. So now we're looking back. And, and what happened is these Jews that had lived this way their entire life were, were forcing the Gentiles. No, no, listen, this is the way it's always been. God established it back in the Old Testament that you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. And the Gentiles were like, I'm not a Jew. So I don't have to do all of that. And, and Paul is saying, listen, we don't have to squabble. There should not be a fight over, uh, over the dietary restrictions or the holy days that are celebrated because God is the authority of all. And, we, and, and the Gentiles answer to God. They don't answer to the Jews. 
And the Jews don't answer to the Gentiles. The Jews answer to God. And so what we understand from this passage, that every man belongs to God. Verse number 10, he asks this question, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall stand before the judgment seat of God. We see that the authority is God. He is Lord of all. And we see that the authority is not ours in verse number 10. In other words... You know what? Those, what I had just said, the Jews did not answer the Gentiles, and the Gentiles did not answer to the Jews. But all of them will answer to God. Because God's the authority. God's the one that's in charge. And so they have to give an account to God, not to their brother. And so we see the idea that the authority is not for each person to judge somebody else, but rather it's before God. Go on to verse number 11 and 12. And we see it firmly established that the authority is established in God's word. Verse number 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. This is the second principle. We stand before the Lord God and give account. It would do us well to remember in our life every single day, I'm going to answer to God for my life. If you live your life that way, you know what? You will have far less problems. I know how the world is. I know how the world works. I worked and lived in the world, and I know enough that um, I'm not ignorant. And, and, and many times, man, when I worked, man, I'm telling you, uh, some of those guys... Um, that I worked with, not, not the Bible college students, okay, because I worked with some of them too, but uh, not them, praise the Lord, they were good workers. But, uh, but some of the people that I worked with who, who were not Christians, you know, I mean, they would, they'd piddle around, and man, they'd sit on the desk, and they'd, we worked in a factory, so we didn't really have a desk, but a table there, and they'd sit on the table, and man, they, they'd hear the, the steps and the voice of the boss coming. You know what they would do? Man, they would jump up and they were going walked by. I mean, they were working their tail off for the entire uh, 30 seconds that he walked by. He got by, you know what they did? Set it all down, sat back down on the, on the desk. You know what they were, they were doing? They were living their life for their employer, not for God. When you live your life for God, God is always around. God sees all. God watches all. There's nothing that escapes the eye of the Lord. And by the way, that's a positive verse. There's a verse, I don't remember it, I didn't look it up, but it's in the book of Proverbs that says the, the eyes of the Lord, uh, they see everything. And it goes on and it says, to reward those who are serving Him. And so it's not a negative thing that we should look at it and say, well, I, you know, God's going to zap me. No, but it's a good thing that, listen, you know what? When you do what is right and nobody is around to see it, God sees it. And he knows that you're doing right. He knows that you're living right. He knows that you're working hard. He knows what you're doing. And so uh, God has the authority and every one of us are going to stand before God and give an account for our life. 
And if God is our authority, uh, then, then uh, we need to understand and live our life in that fashion. You know what's scary about that is in Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 48, you can just note it down. Luke 12, 48 is giving an example of a parable and, uh, and about a fellow who was, who was doing just that. In other words, when the boss was away, he was not working. When the boss came, uh, he would do some stuff. And the boss knew about it. So he came and he punished him. And the verse says here in, in Luke 12, 48, But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. The second part is what I want us to focus on. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. I read that verse. And I'll be honest with you, it scares me. And I'll tell you why. I've grown up in church my entire life. I don't know of many people who have sat under as much preaching as I have. And I think to myself, to whom much is given, much is required. God expects a lot from those that he has given a blessed opportunity to hear his word than he expects a lot out of us as well. And listen, when we answer to God and we recognize Him as our authority, oh, how our motivation will change and oh, how our work will change and oh, how our life will change because we will stand before God one day. And listen, I, on the other hand, I'm not kidding you, I fear for other people sometimes. Because I look at some of the things that they do. I look at, I think about people who, who go against God and who go against even our church and, and would, would, would talk bad and talk down against our church. And I think to myself, you know what? They're going to stand before God someday. And I fear for them, for the account they'll have to give. Listen, by the way, we are not the only people with enemies. The Apostle Paul had the same problem in Bible times. He said, uh, he, he talked about several people uh, that had left and some that had betrayed him and some that had slandered him and some that had talked bad against him. But I'm just telling you uh, that, hey, listen, they're going to have to answer to God for that. The Bible says that every idle word is going to be judged. Oh, how we should be careful what comes out of this, this mouth. The Bible says the tongue is a little member, but set on fire of hell. Boy, how easy it is to just talk. We've got to be careful, because we'll stand before God. And you know what? When we stand before God, I want God to say for you, and I want God to say for me, well done, thou good and faithful servant that's not to say we're perfect because we're not but that we'd keep short accounts with god we say god i want to live right god i want to be close to you god i want to walk with you god i want to uh, i want to keep my life pure and right in your eyes and recognize him as our authority and that we will stand before him someday Look at the second half of the chapter here in verse number 13. The Bible says, Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block 
or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. We need to be very careful about being a stumbling block to other believers. And that's what he's talking about here. In other words, that, that let's say I, I adhere to the Jewish dietary laws. And I say, well, because I adhere to the Jewish dietary laws, therefore you have to adhere to the Jewish dietary laws. Because if God wants me to do it, then God must want you to do it, which is faulty logic, and that's what he's saying. That's not true. And so he's saying, hey, we must be careful and that we would not push our thoughts onto other people. Verse number 14, he talks about that. He says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. These specific words that he's using deal with that Jewish dietary law and the restrictions, the unclean meats, the unclean foods. You've read through Leviticus. If not, you should. Uh, Deuteronomy, you've read through those. You know what it is. Uh, he says, uh, he gives you all the laws. If, if, the ho- if the hoof be split or not split, if he chews the cud and it's unclean or it's not unclean, if it has scales, he goes through a whole list and says, hey, these are the dietary restrictions. And what he, that's what he is specifically dealing with because he's talking about things that are unclean. In other words, uh, according to the dietary restrictions of the Jewish law. He says in verse number 15, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. In other words, I wouldn't go up, I wouldn't, if I, if I were uh, with a group of believers that were Jewish and they adhered to the dietary restrictions, you know what? It's not going to kill me to eat what they're serving. I, w- I wouldn't have a problem eating um, whatever their diet, whatever they would serve. And I wouldn't have a problem either leaving and going home and having a piece of bacon uh, or, or a piece of ham. It's not going to bother me. Uh, and, and I'm not going to bring a, a, a ham sandwich to them and say, well, here's Here's what we're doing, you know, and, and if I know that it bothers them, you know what, I'm not going to bother them with it. I remember one time in Peru, we had a, uh, a VBS, I thought this was funny, and I, I didn't know this, but um, we had several little kids come, and they were, uh, they were Seventh-day Adventists. I, I was not aware of that at the time. They came, they came in, and uh, they sat down, and, and we, were, we had a snack time, and so we were handing out little ham sandwiches to all the kids. And, uh, and the older boy, uh, he opened it up, he looked at it, he saw the ham, he put the, 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 the bread back on, and he grabbed his brother's sandwich, and grabbed his other brother's sandwich, and, said, and gave it back, said, we can't eat that. We said, oh, okay, sorry, did not know, we don't have anything else, and so would you like a juice box, would you, you know, I mean, give them what you can. And, and, and I mean, that's just, we, they were little kids. We didn't know. We were not aware of that. But he's saying, hey, don't try and, and cause other people problems, especially we're talking more so about a church context and where there would be divisions on that context. If somebody has dietary restrictions and, uh, and they follow that Jewish law and you invite them over to your house, be wise and don't make a ham dinner. 
I mean, just be wise about it and try not to push things onto them. And, and that's not to say, you know, we'll do everything perfectly, but we try and we strive to not push our thoughts and our agendas on other people. Look with me in verse number, verse number 18. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. And we want to serve the Lord. And we're, the first principle was that we all belong to the Lord and that those that are saved. The second principle is that we're going to stand before God and give an account for our life. The third principle is that we are to live by faith to God. And so we see that. He says there in verse number 18, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Verse 19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. In other words, hey, that we could build up one another. And, and, and we're different. We're inherently different. By the way, I'm glad we're all different. I'm glad we're all unique. Uh, I'm glad we're not all the same uh, because, man, what a boring place if you guys all looked like me and wore the same thing as I did. I'm glad we have color. I'm glad we have variety. I'm glad we have different personalities. Man, I, I'm glad we don't all have my personality. Uh, I'm glad some people are, are jovial and able to joke and tell jokes and, and things of that nature. I, I mean, we, we all work together to try and, and work for the Lord, and I believe the Lord uses those things. And so we see the, uh, that we should not push an agenda. We're to live by faith. Look with me in verse 19. We read verse number 20. For meat destroy, for meat destroy not the work of God. You know, how many, you know how many, I'm not kidding you, Baptist churches divide over things that silly. Meat, you say over meat? Yep, over meat. Are we going to have steak? Are we going to have chicken? Are we going to have beef? Are we going to have this? What are we going to have for dinner? What color are we going to paint the walls? And divisions in church that takes place over things that are that silly in all honesty. And he's saying, come to peace. Have peace with those things. Don't be trying to, to destroy the work of God. Uh, look with me in verse number 20. For meat destroy, for meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. In other words, bless God, I've got the liberty, and I'm going to do it, and I don't care what you think about it. That's pushing your agenda on somebody else. He's saying, don't, don't do that. You live for God. You live by faith. You live as if you're going to stand before God and, and don't be pushing uh, your thoughts on other people. I want to hit verse 21. I think this is important. The Bible says, It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. I just want to clarify this verse because this verse also is talking about with the context that we've looked at, the Jewish dietary restrictions. And uh, the wine that is mentioned there, I just want to mention this, that, uh, that even sometimes Jews, uh, for example, the Nazarite, I re-looked this up just to be sure, what the Nazarite vow, they were not to drink wine. That would be grape juice. We're not talking about fermented wine. 
We're talking about fresh grape juice. Matter of fact, the Nazarite was so constricted by his vow, he was not even allowed to eat grapes. He was not even allowed to eat raisins that were dried out grapes. That's how restrictive his diet was, because he would make a vow to God. And so uh, when we see this, because there are Christians in 2022 who want to say, see, it's okay if I drink wine. No, listen, we have gone over this at our church and we know it and I can go back and show you the verses. There are so many verses that go against drinking alcohol and fermented drink that, that I don't think you can find a justification for it in the Word of God. And so the Bible's very clear about that. Um, now, wine is a funny thing because uh, in the Bible, it stands most of the time, uh, it stands for just regular grape juice. In our mind, we hear wine and we think alcoholic beverage. In Peru, they had, um, and you got to think, this is kind of like Bible times because they didn't have a good refrigeration system. And in Peru, they didn't really have good refrigeration systems either. Matter of fact, it was really funny. You'd go to the tiendas, uh, which is the little stores, and they would, I'm, I'm not kidding you, many times they would pull the plugs on their refrigerators overnight to save on electricity. I'm not kidding you. They'd plug them back in in the morning. And when you went first thing in the morning, the things were not as cold as they should have been. And you just knew it because you were like, man, this ain't... This ain't right. It's just wrong. But it is what it is. That's not what I was going to tell you. They, they have a drink. It's called chicha morada. Chicha morada is made out of corn. It's a purple corn. I don't think it exists here in America. And they would take that chicha morada and, uh, and they would make it. And, and in its form, it, it's a perfectly fine uh, drink. Matter of fact, I, I had chicha morada many, many times. But if you let chicha morada set for too long, it will ferment. And it will be bad, and it will be not bad, it will be alcoholic, actually, and you can actually get drunk off of it. And so that's kind of the idea of wine. Matter of fact, I remember a, a, uh, a missionary telling me a story, uh, or a Peruvian, rather, that he was in charge, and he had a bunch of Bible college students, and they were working to build a new Bible college, and as they were working, uh, somebody from the church said, hey, I, I've got some chicha morada, I'll bring it down for the boys, and, and so the boys came down, and, and, uh, and they drank the chicha morada, and, and it was fermented. Everyone was stumbling around, and they were not working right, and... And he, he sent them all home before the missionary arrived because he was like, you guys go home. I don't want you here. And, and I, I don't think he ever told the missionary about it, that, that what had happened. But, but that's kind of the whole idea with the idea of wine in the Bible times. Many times it was, it's supposed to be fresh, but if you let it set long without any uh, proper refrigeration or attention, then it would ferment. And so he's not talking about drinking wine in this passage. I want to make that so clear that it is not an excuse in Romans chapter 14 to drink wine or to live a life that is displeasing to God. And I have to say that because so many times in 2022, people are, people are well, praise the Lord, I'm saved, I'm not going to hell, and I'm going to live for the world everything that I want to do. And they want to claim Romans chapter 14 and say, I got liberty in Christ to do whatever I want. That's not godly. That's not right. And that's not what this chapter is talking about. Matter of fact, the Bible says in, in Galatians chapter number 3 and verse number 15, or 5 and verse number 13, it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion 
to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So many people want to take their liberty and run to the world and justify their wicked, sinful lifestyle and say, it's okay with God. No, it's not. The Bible's clear that we cannot live a wicked, sinful life and be fine with God. God chastises His children. He's not for that. We're not talking about that. We are talking about uh, within the bounds that, that listen, uh, you don't have to wear a white shirt to church. We have several colored shirts here. Praise the Lord. you got liberty to wear a colored shirt. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the kind of things we're talking about. Um, you don't have to adhere to the Jewish dietary restrictions, which are very strict. That's what we're talking about. You don't have to. Uh, how many of you celebrated the new moon? That's what I thought. You're all wicked heathens. No, you don't have to celebrate the new moon. It's not, it's not what we are required to do. And if you did, there's nothing wrong with that. Because it was a thing that they celebrate in the Bible. And there's nothing wrong with that. So we have liberty within these bounds not to go to the extreme to the world, not to go to the extreme of being a, a lording over people and telling them you must do this and this. But within these bounds, we have liberty to be able to live and operate the way that we feel that we're living to God. And that's where the last principle comes in that, that says this in verse number 22 and 23, look with me there. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If it bothers your conscience to, to eat ham and to eat bacon and to not follow the Jewish dietary law, follow the Jewish dietary law. That's what he's saying. If it bothers your conscience, it doesn't bother my conscience. I wasn't raised that way. It doesn't bother me in the least. And so I don't feel like I have to. But if you felt like you had to, praise the Lord, go for it. Because it's your faith to God, not your faith to me. So we live with our faith towards God. And if it's not of faith, and you know what? If you eat ham and you're convicted and you say, man, I, I just can't do that. Stop. Send it to my house. I won't be offended. I'm not going to have a problem with it. I'm not going to have a problem with you setting it aside and saying, well, I'm not eating that. That's fine. Praise the Lord. If that's what you believe God would have you to do, now if you start running around and trying to convert everyone else to anti-hams, then we might have a problem. That's what he's saying, that we need to live by faith to God. We're responsible to God because he's the authority. We belong to God. We're going to stand before God. So our faith should be reciprocated to God. Romans chapter 14 is about the individual soul liberty of the believer that we have liberty in Christ. And again, I would remind us, and I would preface this because we live in such a wicked day that we are not to use our liberty as an occasion to the flesh. We live with God. We're to, we're to, 
we're to bring ourselves, as, as he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, or maybe it's 2 Corinthians, let a man examine himself before God. That you have to justify your life before God because in the end, you're not going to stand before me and give an account. You're not going to stand before anybody else and give an account. You're going to stand before God. And so your life needs to be in tune with God. That's the bottom line of Romans chapter number 14 that he's trying to get across. Three principles that we can live by. You belong to the Lord, that, uh, that you're going to be, stand before the Lord, and that you need to have your faith towards God. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your word. God, continually amazing, continually nutritious and feeding us and constantly causing us to think. God, I thank you for just the, the, the great information that's found in your word. God, I pray that you'd help us to learn it. God, I pray that you'd help us to live by it, more importantly. And God, as we go through and we learn and we learn and we learn, God, I pray that we'd apply that to our lives. God, we live our life serving you and following you and in obedience to you. God, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you'd strengthen us. And God, give us an appreciation for the fact that we have your word. We can study it. God, will certainly thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, as the piano plays, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar is open. We're not perfect. But we ought to strive to live our life for God. Keep our life right. Strive to put a stumbling block before somebody else. And to realize that someday we're going to stand before God and give an account. invitation to a close. Again, I appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord and uh, 